Good morning, church. Excited to see you guys, and thank you guys for coming out and worshiping. Uh, I am in a really good mood because I was able to bust out a flannel shirt today, and I, lo- I love this time of year. But it's a time of year, guys, we need to make a decision. we got to pick a side. Candy corn, yay or nay? Nay. Any yays? See, I think they try to fool us with the ones with the chocolate at the bottom. That you're, It all tastes the same. You're not fooling anybody. But uh, I like it occasionally, but when I do like it, I eat a whole bag and like I'm done for until uh, next year. But uh, so I'm excited to share today's message and we're just going to get right into it. Last week, we started our 10 week series on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest sermon that has ever been spoke. Uh, I believe it is. And uh, Jesus, he went to the Sea of Galilee. There's a, a natural amphitheater. If you guys have time, please uh, do a, go- a Google image search on, on the, uh, this amphitheater. It's still there. There's a church that's built there. And um, I mean, it's beautiful, almost breathtaking. And so let, we painted the picture before we got going last week. And I'm going to paint it again today. So Jesus came and he had thousands of followers. And Jesus sat down and he starts to preach. And last week we talked about the first portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is basically when Jesus was telling his disciples what job they're, they're in for. So basically, it was like a job description, and he's telling them that, you know, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed by things that maybe the world wouldn't call a blessing, but Jesus tells them you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed when you're persecuted. The world doesn't tell us that, do they? He t- says you're going to be blessed when you're weary and tired. Man, the world doesn't tell us that either. Well, Jesus went through all these and was telling his disciples, you're, you're going to be blessed And everything that you do, good or bad, church, do we believe that? Because we need to. And so that's why Jesus started with this this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, basically to tell his disciples, this is the job that is going to have to happen, and this is is what we need to believe in. Then he moves on to the portion we're going to be in today, then he says how we're going to do it, what we're going to do. And and so, so when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, you know, this was a, a stage that I believe Jesus was trying to portray the picture, and, and, and he used, uses a lot of metaphor in, his, in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of the probably most popular one that I think we've all heard or, or maybe we've read occasionally. And basically, he wanted to, this part of the Sermon on the Mount to be countercultural because a lot of things that he went through, it's like we just said, it's against what the culture tells us we're supposed to be. You know, culture tells us we're only blessed when we have things in our life that maybe are of monetary value. Uh, we're, we're blessed by different things. Well, Jesus tells us we're blessed nonetheless. So everything he talks about is uh, countercultural. So today, we're going to talk about salt and light. And it's two things in Scripture that have been used quite a bit. The, the reference of light was used about 250 times in the Bible. That means it's very important. Um, it's very repetitive for a reason. And then salt was used as a metaphor throughout the scripture as well. So let's get into scripture. And church, I'm going to be honest with you. This one is such a timely message because of what is happening in our area and what we're struggling with and what we're dealing with. So uh, this is a good one. So buckle up. Let's get into scripture. All right. Matthew 5, 13, 16. It says this. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that, you may, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, we are, a, we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Amen? We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. So in Scripture, it says that we need to be salt and we need to be light. And one of the things that we need to be mindful of and understand, if it's going to sound weird, if we lose our saltiness, what good are we? You know, if we lose the, the taste of salt to the earth, then what good are we? And if we have a light and we choose to put it under a basket that nobody sees it, what good are we? Church, what we need to stop doing is being so selective of who gets our salt and sees our light. We need to stop because that's what we do. We, we look at people and we're like, okay, they're going to get my salt. They're going to see my light. They don't deserve my light. They don't deserve my salt. Have you guys ever done that before? Don't lie. You have. <laughs> we have people in our lives that we look at them like, you know what? I don't agree with them. I don't have the same views as them, so they're not going to see my light. Church, that's not what we've been called to do. And so that's what he's telling his disciples and telling everybody in attendance is, man, if you got a light, do not hide it. Don't put it under a basket. Don't be embarrassed by it. He is telling them if you have a light, which you should if you're a Christ follower, man, put it on a, put it on a, a stand so everybody can see it. If you have salt, do not let that salt waste away and the taste waste away because what good are we? So you are blessed to be a blessing. I truly believe that you feel that way. And when we look at the scripture and Apostle Peter, he wrote this to the believers in his first letter and it says this. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the ex excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Church, I need you to listen to this. God chose you. Amen. Amen. God chose you to be the salt and the light. God could have chose anything to be the salt and the light. He could have chose a giraffe, but he didn't. He chose you. Church, we need to understand that you are, like it says in scripture, you are what? You are a, of called people. God chose you. Man, how does that make you feel knowing that the creator of everything, when he created you, he looked at you and said, I choose you. That reminds me of growing up and um, have you guys ever been on a, a playground or you've ever been um, at school and a, just a nasty game of kickball or a dodgeball breaks out and they do the, the horrible uh, self-esteem busting, let's pick sides. So how many of you guys have ever been one of the last people picked? Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it's tough. But how many of you were one of the first people picked? Come, baloney, come on. No, some of us were one of the first people picked. That makes us feel really good. Now, when we're picked last, a lot of times it, it, we take a shot to our, our self-esteem. So let's think of life as a big game of dodgeball. God looked at you and said, I can win with you. And he chose you. Church, that should mean everything to you. He looked at you and he said, you're good enough. You're, you're smart enough. And he chose you. Church, this is where our salt 
loses its taste because we believe that we're not good enough to be sought to anybody and we believe we're not good enough to let people see our light. Luke 19.10, it tells us this. It says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Son of man came to seek people that will share this light and, and, and will, will give people salt. He seeked in church. He found you. Back to games that we played when we were growing up, we played hide and seek. I grew up in a town of 200 people. The entire town was on, was, was on limits. The end, we would hide in people's cars, which was really weird when they would go to work. Um, but I remember when, when, when you're the seeker, man, you felt really good when you found somebody. God found you and he picked you. He seeked you out and he gave you purpose. Church, I know a lot of us feel like we don't have any purpose today. Amen? We do. A lot of us are having a tough bout with it. But if that's you and you're struggling with that, church, he chose you. He seeked you out. And he gave you purpose. And that purpose is to share the light and the salt of the earth. So what does salt and light have to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ? 100%? Absolutely everything. That's what it has to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ. But the greatest thing about that is God tells you that you could be the salt and the light exactly where you're at right now. A lot of you think that, you, that God's not going to use me because I'm in this position or, or God can't use me because maybe I'm broken. Maybe I, I, I'm depressed. God can use you exactly where you're at. And we need to understand that and we need to, we need to comprehend that. Church, I know a lot of times we struggle to get started. I'm at that age, I have to wind up before I get out of bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Takes a little bit. I do the whole rocking thing. I mean, I have to let stuff crack and fall back into place. And then I get up and go. Church, when we look at what he is telling us to do, we have to get up. When I was coaching in Michigan, I was, I was coaching a, a uh, prep basketball school and uh, prep basketball team. And I mean, we were good. We, we, I had kids that showed up every day that would blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, they would dive on the floor. They, 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 were, they were ready to play. It was some of the most intense practices I've ever held. And I remember our first game, we had to go to a place and we pulled up. And it was called the penitentiary. And so when we pulled up and we walked in, it was a two-story gymnasium. And on the top story, there was no seats. There was a fence, and only people could stand around it. It felt like you were in a courtyard of a prison. That's why they called it the penitentiary. And I remember when we came out of the, the tunnel and we came out of the locker room, I've never been in such a loud place in my life at any sporting events me, as a grown man, I was terrified. And I remember when I tell my kids to get in the game, I say, all right, first five up. That means those five, they're my starters. They're the ones that showed me the most in practice. They're the ones that has the most potential for us to win. And I remember my, I said, my first five up, nobody moved. Not one person. I had a kid named Alex. He's like, you think you're crazy if you think I'm going to go in that game. I said, okay, it's loud. It's intimidating. There's a lot of things going against us before we even start. But I was like, you guys have done all the effort. You guys have done all, all the preparation. You've done everything you can for this moment. Get up. 
That's what God is telling us. You have to get up from where you're at right now. We've done the preparation. We've been in the word. We've been in prayer. We see people every day that we know needs the salt and the light. You have to get up and you need to go in. Church, I know sometimes we go into situations that are intimidating. I know sometimes we deal with people that are difficult. I know we find ourselves in situations maybe we're not prepared for. But if you're going to be the salt and the light, you need to get up and you need to get in. And you need to do your best. Church, the reason why is because that is what you were created for, amen? It tells us earlier in Scripture, you're created to be salt and light. So if you ever are searching for your purpose, I want you to look back at these scriptures and realize God is intending you to be salt and light. That's exactly what he made you and created you for. So let's break them down. Let's, let's start with the salt and then we'll get to the light. So salt, when we look at it in biblical times, salt was used for two really important and main things. And that was to preserve food and the seasoning of food. I'm a person, I love hot sauce. You can keep your salt all day. Give me hot sauce, right? There's people out there, they salt everything. You know what I'm talking about? Pizza. Yeah, pizza, exactly. I know somebody, they can get the saltiest fries ever, and they do what? They salt it, right? So back in biblical times, that's what they did. It was for preservation of food and seasoning of food. There's also different ways, different uses for salt. Um, I was always taught if you have a sore throat, what do you do? You gargle salt. I never got that far. Um, I got to, I put it in my mouth and spit it out. I always considered that was gargling. My mom told me I was wrong. It's, it's disgusting. I can't do it. I'm, I'm a baby. I couldn't do it. So that's one way. And another use for salt is uh, sayings. There's a lot of old sayings like this one. Take it for a grain of salt. And that means, man, someone's saying something to you. Don't get offended. You know, just take it, take it for what it is and, and let it go. And another one is don't be salty. That means what? Don't be angry. Don't be bitter. Don't be mad. And uh, the weirdest use for salt I've ever, ever seen in my life is those little nose pots. You know what I'm talking about, right? We're, we're getting close to nose pot season, and I'm, <laughs> I am grossed out immensely. But there's different uses for salt. There's different, different weird uses for salt. But in Colossians 4, 6, it says this. Paul said, let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Somebody is out there waiting, in, waiting for an answer from you. Somebody's out there waiting for some direction from you. It says that we need to salt. What does that mean? We need to season. But if we season too heavy, what do we do? Spit it out. Have you guys ever tasted something and there's way too much salt? You don't consume it. You spit it out and you have the, the thoughts in your head. I'm never going to try that again. Church, there's people out there that believe that about the church. That they, they, we salted it too much. And they spit it out and they're never going to give it a try again. Church, that's why Paul was saying we need to season it with salt, but also we need to be gracious. This is one we struggle with, not going to lie. This is one that I think we push too hard. But it says you need to preserve and you need to season the culture around you. Church, when we come across a new believer, or maybe a believer not at all, if we throw the whole salt shaker at them, they're not going to consume it. Babies don't come out craving McDonald's french fries. They don't. 
because they can't eat them. They're not ready yet, right? They're not ready for all the salt and the sodium. And so when we look at this and what he says, he said, you need to season. You need to season with salt, but you also need to be gracious. We can preserve with a sense of morality. There is a lot of immoral things happening around us, amen? We need to preserve that by being moral what we believe in. Church, I've said this time and time again. We will never win evil against evil. As a church, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be moral in our beliefs. We're called to be moral in where we stand. And we're called to be moral on the things that we believe in. We need to preserve the sense of morality by being moral ourselves. What about the season? We can season with our conversations. We can season with the way we talk to people. You guys know the area that most of the negative uh, conversations happen? At your job. At your job, people love to talk. They love to talk about others. They love to start rumors. They, They love to gossip. Church, if you are salt and light, you need to season the way you talk. You need to season the way that you bring up maybe things that you need to have a talk about. Church, it's all, a way, all about the way you present it. And that's what he's saying is that we need to, to, to salt and we need to season the conversation. Church, we can be very harsh. We can be very mean with our words. It says here that we are supposed to season it. So have you guys ever seen that, that big uh, picture that was uh, of the Last Supper? And I almost said this in first service. I almost said Leonardo DiCaprio, but that's not it. Um, it's Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, he painted the Last Supper. And if you guys have really slowed down and look at it, there's a lot of hidden stuff if you look at it. I know it's just a painting, but, you know, Judas is off to the left. And if you look in his right hand, he has what? He has the bag of silver. And if you look at the table, while holding that bag of silver, his elbow knocked over the salt shaker and there's salt all over the table. If you've never slowed down to look at it, look at it. And I know that's just a, 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 a metaphor, but you know, we got a really crazy superstition out of that. If you spill the salt, you're supposed to do what? Throw it over the left shoulder because that's where the devil hangs out. Have you guys ever heard that before? Yes. They never tell you not to throw the whole shaker. But, uh, <laughs> but when we look at the Last Supper and we look, look at the, this picture that was painted, it shows that... that that in one hand, Judas is holding on to an earthly possession, the silver. And while he's looking at this, this bag of silver, he's tipping over salt. Church, that means he was so close to being able to salt the conversation. He was so close to being able to, to be the salt and the light, but he was so focused on what? That earthly possession. Church, that's not what we, we can't do that. And when we, when we look at this situation and, and we look at it, the one thing that we need to learn about salt is this. It needs to make you thirsty for the word of God. When somebody wants you to speak into them, you need to know what you're talking about. Because believe it or not, people are not dumb. They can see right through you. So when you're trying to pour salt onto somebody or season them with your conversation, you need to know what you're talking about. So you need to be thirsty about the word of God. I love ballpark hot dogs, not the brand. 
I mean, like, go to a ballpark, uh, the, the ballpark, minor league ballpark we grew up by. I would go on 50 Cent Hot Dog Night, and it was a, I had to call off work the next day every time. <laughs> I love them. I absolutely love them. And then I found out why I love them so much. They're cooked in salt, and they're stored in salt. Yes. So when you eat them, what do you become? Extremely thirsty. And then they charge you $8 for a soda that's mostly filled with ice. But, church, that's what we need to do. We need to be thirsty for the word of God. There's people out there starving to death for the word of God right now. There's people out there that, that they have no idea what scripture is. Church, so if we're going to season our conversation, you better know what you're, you're talking about. Now we're going to jump down to light. Light is one of the first elements in creation. We're going to read it from Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Number two, it says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Three says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Church, you look at the scripture, there was no life before light. There was no heartbeat. There was no living anything before light. Church, you need to, the light to survive, to live. But that's where we're getting caught up is people are okay with just surviving. If you have the light of Jesus Christ in you, you are going to do more than just survive. You're going to live. You're going to do what God has called you to do. And there are so many people out there that they are so far from the light, they might not even know what the light looks like. Church, when we, when we look at the light and what it stands for, and it was used in the Bible over 250 times for a reason because God tells us people live in the dark. People are okay with living in the dark. Church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot be okay with darkness. Amen? You can't. You cannot be okay with your neighbor living in darkness. If you are a believer and you're trying to be the salt and the light, you are not okay with people around you willingly live in the dark. It says in Genesis that let there be light and God, said, God let light. He said there was light. Have you guys ever heard of different uh, uh, states or countries that, that are really far north? There's times they don't see the sun for months at a time. It's called the gray. I experienced it. When we lived up north, and I'm telling you, we would not see the sun from October to May. They have artificial light stations where we lived that you could go and sit in a chair and have vitamin D lights shine on you because the darkness caused a lot of physical ailments, just like when you live in the darkness and ignore the light. There's a lot of things that can happen in the dark. Church Revelations 22.5, it says this, And night will be no more. There will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Church, you should get excited about this. There is coming a day we don't need light anymore because there's no darkness. Amen. There's coming a day, and I can't wait, where the darkness has no control over you whatsoever. Church, that should, and that should invoke something in you. That should poke something in your heart to get you motivated that the darkness has no control over you and that day's coming. Are you prepared for that? I pray that you are. And when we look at light and 
We look at what light stands for and we look at what darkness stands for. I want to read some scriptures. So this is why darkness is so dark. Why there's no life in darkness. It says this. Proverbs 4.19 it says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And John 3.19, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People live in darkness because you can get away with stuff. Or you think you can. Church, that's why he tells us in all, all these scriptures that darkness is very, very... It's very, it's very damaging. What about the light? Psalms 27.1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. John 8.12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Amen. This, this is a scripture that we need to read every day. But we will have the light of the life. Mm. Romans 13, 12 says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. As followers of Jesus Christ, church, we need to shine. We need to, when people look at us, they, they should see the light of Jesus Christ living in our lives. But church, this is where a lot of us go wrong. We give them the credit, but we, we expect the glory. When something God does something in your life, do not take credit for it. Give it up to Jesus because when, when people see you living different or people see you handling different situations and they're going to ask, man, what is the matter with them? What is new about them? You need to say, because the light of Jesus is in me and I'm letting it shine. There's a very old song. You know what it is. This little light of mine. It is the most elementary song ever written. But there's so much power in that. There's so much power in every verse of this little light of mine. Because that is, I love because you get kids singing, this is my little light, I'm going to let it shine. Church, that's what we need to do is as followers of Christ. We need to shine and we need to give him the credit and we need to give him the glory. How do we do this? How as physical, tangible items, how can we do this? Well, I've got 10 ways how you can do this on a daily basis. Don't worry. It's, we won't be here until 1230, I promise. <laughs> Ten ways. Number one is you need to grow in your faith. You will not give your salt to anybody or you will not uh, uh, show your light the way that you're supposed to if you do not grow in your faith yourself. Church, always be better. Always be better and, and, and make yourself better. We need to grow in our faith with everything we do. Every situation that you go through, if you go through it more than once, try to be better at it this time than you were last time. How many of you guys have ever had to have the same conversation with the same person, and instead of getting better at it, you get a little bit more bitter at it? I do not like repeating myself more than once. Amen, a lot of you agree. I don't like it. The more I repeat it, the more angry I get. Church, if you grow in your faith, you know that's, that's not right. You need to know that the, if you have to do it over and over again, you need to get better with it. So number one is growing your faith. Get deeper in your scripture. Get deeper in your prayer life. Number two, 
Pray this every day. It's a simple prayer. Lord, use me today to influence and impact my world. Church, there's people you come across every day. They're never going to see the light but through you. It's a huge responsibility to put on our shoulders. It's a huge, uh, it's a huge task when you know that nobody, they're not going to see the light but through me. Church, but that's what we need to do, this small, simple prayer. Lord, use me today to influence and impact my world. Number three, join a group. I am a firm believer that there is power when a, a, a bunch of believers come together. Amen? Amen. Scripture tells us when more, more, uh, two or more are gathered, what happens? Jesus is present. God is present. So we need to be in a group. We need to do life together. I love our small groups. I'm going to say that out loud. If you're not in one, I will help you get in one. Our small groups don't just pray together. They don't just study together. They don't just grow in their faith together, but they do life together. When one of them is hurting, they help them. When one of them is succeeding, they congratulate them. Church, if we're going to be sought in the light, we need to be there for the good and the bad. Get in a group. Now, what else? We can get a little bit more personal with these, a little bit more specific with these. Number four is coach a team. If you hate kids and you hate sports, I probably wouldn't recommend this one. <laughs> coach a team. I've been coaching since I was 18 years old. I'm going to tell you this, a little secret. Not one year that I have coached did everybody that came through my gym or my football field not, not, not once was everybody that I coached a believer in Jesus Christ. I had people come in, boys come in from broken homes. I had people that came directly from court dates to practice, broken. I had people come from bailing their father out of jail directly to practice. Church, if you're looking to be sought in the light, I am telling you right now, there are young generation behind us that needs some salt, and my goodness, do they need some light. Church, that's where you come in. Like I told you, if you hate sports and you don't like kids, probably not the best thing. But it's one of the most impactful ones that I've seen. Number five is run for a position. If you don't like how things are happening around you, run for a position. HOA. <laughs> HOA is usually voluntold, but still, I'm saying that because I'm the vice president of mine, and I didn't know it till like month three. But uh, run for something. Run for school board. Run for something that you can make a difference, but most importantly, run for something that you can speak with salt and you can lead with light. But that's what we do. Instead of doing what we usually do, it starts with a C and ends with an unplain. <laughs> Complain. That was dumb. <laughs> but that's what we do. We complain. We're not going to let anybody see our salt in our light. It's easier to sit there and say, well, you should have done this, should have done that. Maybe you should have listened to me when it came to this. If you want to be the salt and light, run for a position. Number six is let your extended family see the light of Jesus Christ through you. Amen. We are coming to a season that we're all going to be in hot, small houses with people that we only see but once a year. The holiday season is coming with Thanksgiving and Christmas, which I'm super excited about. 
But we all know that we come into a home to eat, to fellowship, and a lot of times the fellowship is not very healthy. A lot of times we talk with a lot of negativity instead of a lot of salt. I think we've all, we're all there. We all have somebody in our life you're going to be with this Thanksgiving or Christmas that they don't know Jesus Christ. Or maybe they've been hurt by the church and they don't want anything to do with it. The worst thing you can do is speak with, with, with hate instead of speaking with salt. The worst thing you can do is take that little basket that we learned about in the beginning of Scripture and cover your light. Church, that's a big one is lead in your extended family. Let them see it through you. Number seven is clean up your community. Same thing. Do something. You know, I, I loved our great day of service. I mean, it felt like manual labor, which I guess is okay every now and then. But, uh, uh, you know, they were, they're extremely grateful for what we did. Clean up your community. You know, they didn't see us shoveling 25 tons of stone. You know what they saw? They saw a church that loved their community, and they're here to shine their light. That's what they saw. We saw chiropractor appointments and a lot of Motrin. <laughs> that's what I saw. But no, that's, that's what they saw. They saw the light shining through our church. What about this? Number eight, support your neighbors. Church, we all have that one neighbor that's extremely busy. We have that one neighbor that their kids are in absolutely everything and they're on the road all the time. Make them dinner. I can't tell you as a parent that does this, a lot of nights I don't get home till 8.30. My wife doesn't get home till 9. We had someone bring us a meal once. I know it was just a pan of lasagna. But you know how much that meant to me? Because our neighbors need to see that light through us. Support your neighbors. You have somebody that can't keep up with your yard work? Rake their leaves. There's not one neighbor on the face of this planet that be like, stop, put my leaves back. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. Be the light through sharing the love of Jesus Christ with your neighbor. Nine. Oh, goodness. Man, you need to watch yourself on social media. Church, salt and light also makes its way to the internet. Church, I know we can get on there and somebody can put a negative comment and we try to combat that with another negative comment. You will never win that battle. Nobody's ever going to get off of a Facebook war and be like, hey, I think I won that. Church, we need to be careful with our social media because some people, that's their only window into our lives. Some people, that social media is the only window into seeing where our heart is at. If I could, I wouldn't have social media, period. But I have it because I post encouraging, funny things to light people's day. And it's the only way my family can see my kids grow up. Church, when we're on social media, behave yourself. Be the salt, be the light. And the last one, church, we need to, I'm going to change it again, I'm sorry. We just need to say the name of Jesus in public. Church, we have an event coming to our area this Saturday, and it's a pagan festival, and it's at Valley Park. Church, we're going to do something this week, and we're just going to say the name of Jesus over that park. Every night of the week from 6 to 7, we're going to have a staff member by the entrance of the, the wave park, and it's just a touch point. I, we just want you to stop by, and we'll pray over you shortly, and I, we just want you to do a little prayer walk. 
We know that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We know that an event that's coming up that's going to teach darkness that we need to speak the name of Jesus Christ over it. But church, I want you to listen to me. We will not win that battle of hate versus hate. Those people that are there, yes, they live in the darkness. But their only glimpse at light is probably through the church. So if that is you and you want to meet us there from six to seven, we'd love to see you. If not, because your schedules are crazy, you can go up there anytime and walk around and pray. Church, we are a church that believes that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. So we need to use it. Amen. Church, there's a lot of things that we can do to be the salt and the light. The greatest one is when we realize that Jesus Christ is in control. And that's what we need to believe. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you in this time and we come to you with, God, with everything we're dealing with. God, I know I touched on a lot of nerves about certain things that we need to do better, certain things that maybe we should stay away from. Maybe certain things that we say we're doing, but we're really not. God, you have called us to be the salt and the light. God, just as you spoke to those thousands of people in attendance at the Sermon on the Mount, God, you speak that just as loud in our lives today. God, we need to be way better as a church, as a body of believers, on being a light to our community. God, we need to be way better at seasoning the way we talk to people. God, I just thank you. God, I thank you for choosing me. God, I thank you for looking at me and telling me that I'm good enough. God, but most importantly, God, I thank you for believing in me. God, and that's my prayer over every single one here is, God, that they know that you love them, that you trust them, and that you believe in them. But most importantly, that you chose them. God, we love you in your glorious name. Amen. So we're going to sing a song, an old hymn, one of my favorites. And it's simple. But the words hold so much power. And the song is, I just, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, maybe that's you. You've never said those words. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll be right over there. I'll, I'll help you say those words. I will pray that you say those words. Maybe you want to sing that song and you're saying, I have decided to follow Jesus through my marriage. Maybe you're going to say those words and I have decided to follow Jesus through the way I raise my kids. Maybe you're going to say those words and I have decided to follow Jesus when I go to work every morning with difficult people. Church, I am going to tell you from the bottom of my heart, if you say those words and mean it, you will be different. Church, when you follow Jesus Christ, it is a game changer. Amen. It changes everything about you. So that's my prayer. Let's stand.